welcome to A Walk in the Black Forest, the goodies podcast. Tonight I'm on deck to discuss my most cherished goodies episode. And joining me from sunny but not all that interesting Brisbane, ironically a man who's also been described as sunny but not all that interesting, it's Barjas. <laughs> Good evening, Todd, and how are you this evening? How, how, how's your week, Bargy? Yeah, all right, mate. Um, one more week to go and I'm on holiday, so I'm in the downward run. Fantastic. Next is a woman who once had the honour of meeting the great Graham Garden. She then proceeded to mentally undress him. From Sydney, I'm joined from hairdressing mogul and tobacco enthusiast. Welcome, please, Leanne. <laughs> Hello, good evening. What an intro. How are you? Uh, Apart from your um, never-ending memory well. of um, Graham's tackle, what's excited you this week, Leanne? <laughs> yeah, not much. It's been a pretty ordinary week, you know. Just normal week. This it, this is the highlight of my week, unfortunately. So. Yeah, sadly, it's mine too. <laughs> Approaching a milestone birthday very soon, it's the undisputed most popular TAFE teacher ever to occupy his home office. And soon to reach 50 years of age, Paul joins us tonight from Sydney as well. This signature dose of morphine-style delivery and his thoughts about tonight's episode. How are the birthday plans coming along there, Master? Uh, They're going very well. As far as I'm aware, a lot of things are top secret, so I can't really tell you too much, except I, I know where it is and what time I've got to be there. If court reporting or being able to type as fast as a human can speak was an Olympic sport, this woman may well have represented her country and quite possibly won a medal. It's not and she didn't. But she's here tonight, <laughs> live from Nara. How was your week, Fiona? Oh, hello, everybody. Um, my week was oh, really quite boring. It was just a week. But I'm here with you all now and I can hardly wait. It's going to be a great night. Absolutely. We have celebrated actor, director, musician, teacher and peddler of fine fried chicken and dishwashers. He's joining us tonight from Canberra. Welcome, Jim. Are you excited to be here tonight, Jim? You did say peddler, right? Peddler, yes. (laughs) Oh, good. Okay. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I'm very excited to be here and be done with it. I mean, to get into it. (laughs) And finally, returning from the other side of the world and reprising the role he portrayed in our very first episode, it's renowned author, digital artist and all-round funny man from bleak and miserable Dublin in Ireland. Please welcome back to the podcast, Mike Carroll. Did you miss us, Mike? Yay! Yay! Yes, yes, I I, I missed you, not terribly, I miss you brilliantly. Um, Yeah, uh, uh, I've had a fantastic few months... But it's been strange. Uh, we have this thing called lockdown over here. Well, oh, yes. Oh, oh lockdown. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. But, but you know, we're coming into uh, autumn now. So the, it's getting darker and colder and all that. So, you know, that kind of suits my temperament. Miserable, wet, damp. <laughs> you know, a bit awkward, a bit creaky. That's where we are now. It is with oh, great look. pleasure and a touch of sadness that I'd like to welcome our listener back to this. Our final episode of A Walk in the Black Forest, the Goodies Podcast. In our last episode, we asked our audience if they thought we should do another season of the podcast. But as happened on so many times before, we've had zero feedback via email, Twitter, or through our Facebook page. This has left us to deduce that it's only the members of the podcast that actually listen. So we've decided <laughs> to do a second season what, uh, anyway. What, what, what about a big following in Botswana? We do have a big following of two, I think, in Botswana. This is true, Lord Mike. Wow. Hello, Botswana. Yeah. Again. Hello, Botswana. Wow. How big are you in Botswana, uh, Mike? <laughs> I'm, I'm tiny, but I know I'm, I'm tinier elsewhere. So that's, you know, a triumph uh, in, in some senses. But Botswana is pretty awesome. Excellent. Yes. So we've decided that we'll do a second season anyway. There will be a second season of A Walk in the Black Forest, the goodies podcast in the not-too-distant future. Because, quite frankly, you can't stop us. (laughs) And silence is consent. (laughs) 
Tonight we'll be dissecting the final episode of the Goodies fifth season, aptly titled The End. It is, of course, the much-loved episode where the boys are encased in a concrete block for 70 years. Now, because The End is so loved and remembered by the fans of the show, and indeed by every member of the podcast, I'll give a brief chronological run-through of the episode and then ask everyone for their favourite memories and scenes from the episode. The End is probably the only episode I can recite word for word, and it aired on May 5th, 1975. It starts with Bill birdwatching and eventually shooting the chirping bird. Graham's accepted a job from the evil developer Harry High Rise to develop Kew Gardens into a concrete jungle. Tim is disgusted by the news and he writes to the Queen requesting that they both be beheaded. Tim opens the door to reveal that they've been encased in concrete. Graham calls the Ministry of Works to find out if the, when they'll be released and after some motorway work it's determined that in one year, seven months, four days, three hours, five minutes and 10.3 seconds, they'll be released. They panic and we have the famous I'm a teapot scene from, from Tim. So one year, seven months, four days, three hours, five minutes and 10.3 seconds later... Nobody arrives to let them out. They decide to establish a new society with three basic groups. The scientific class, the ruling class, and the worker. Tim is... Cobblers. 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 Tim is sad because he wants a child to carry on the name Brooke Taylor and he wishes to exercise his right to fatherhood. Another very funny And that's got to be one of the best follow-up lines after that ever in an episode. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we'll get back to that it. later. It's a brilliant line. So eventually they all find religion. And they run out of food. They decide to eat Bill until he comes up with the idea to eat the furniture instead. Then they begin to hallucinate. They grow old together and Bill collapses looking as young as ever. Eventually they all die just as they're about to be rescued by Star Trek-looking characters that look exactly like them. The tunnel collapses and the panic repeats all over again. That's a very, very basic version of of the episode. For me, I think it was probably one of their uh, best episodes given that they sort of went away from the standard uh, recipe that they'd been running for years with the BBC. Um, for me, the, the one thing that really stood out was there, was there wasn't any other set other than inside the, um, uh, the goodies pad. There was, there was no outside scenes. There was no long montage with um, musical accompaniment. There's two very, very subtle time-lapse type arrangements where there's two posters on the wall. One's of David Cassidy um, and the other one is of David Essex. And during the episode, those um, posters actually start to grow beards. That is my favourite visual gag of the whole episode. I'm sorry, but David Cassidy is my hall pass even though he's dead. And David Essex was my backup hall pass. They're just fantastic. And they age as the episode goes on. I love it. No matter how many times you watch it, there is always something else in the background that you notice. Yes. Um, And it's just them at their best uh, for me. Um, The only other one is the tate-a-tate that there is between Bill and Sheila Stafel, who does the the Queen's voice, (laughs) where after she's provided her message and um, the whole English-French thing came up where she's gone, you know, thank you and good night and, or goodbye, and Bill's gone, au revoir, and she's gone, no, goodbye. (laughs) No, goodbye so, yeah, it, it, that, for me, that, those were the things that really stood out. And, uh, yeah, I just think it's them at their best 
bouncing off each other. It's just, you know, spot on. So is this one of the episodes that they kind of tacked on at the end where they um, kind of run out of money and they decided they won't spend any money on sets and everything? We'll just we'll try and put this thing together very quickly? Or do you think it was really pre-planned from day one? I think there's a lot of planning in that one. Um, the it may have been a budget type thing, but the dialogue is just too, nightly, too nicely fit together. And... Even just looking at Barjas's last comment in regards to the Queen, that almost closes one bit of of like uh, the script because the earlier parts of that script, you can see some deliberate irreverence towards the Queen, and it starts off with without uh, going, uh, you know, Tim's all angry and he's going to write to the Queen and he's trying to say what's her address. Remember him flicking through the phone book, Queen Grace yeah. and Larue goes, oh, of course, like you know, you know, Buckingham. Buckingham Palace. Then later on, there's that little news thing where um, you have the newsreader and he says, and now for a special message, and he has to turn the page over yeah. to realise it's from the Queen. From Her Majesty. So the, see? The, the Queen. Queen. So there's all those little bits of irreverence and then the Queen gives it back to them. And I just like how that little bit of the subplot is all tied together. It's like the Queen saying, right, same to you guys. I'm going to give it back. And I think yeah, it was a very Queen-centric like... episode, actually. There, was, there were a lot of references to the Queen and you know, the Queen coming, and of... you know, walk through the door. and Yeah, Land of and Hope Land and of Glory. Hope... Land of Hope and Glory record gets destroyed as well. I love that scene. The Silent Revolution, my Lord Timbo. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are absolutely right. This episode is brilliant. It is so clever. It is so well thought out. The psychological transition of the boys as the episode 100%. progresses and as the years go through is so nuanced. And so you you hear about people going through different experiences now. And I think it's rather opposite with people in lockdown this year. They oh, oh yeah, we're in lockdown. Yay, we can drink wine. Oh, what do you mean we can't go out? We're over it now. Let's go out. No, you can't. You're stuck. And... I think it's got quite a lot of relevance for this year and you are absolutely right, Todd. This is one of the cleverest episodes that they've ever done and it's absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Oh, the writing so, is, is spectacular. so many great spe- jokes that just it is spectacular. keep coming and coming and coming. Just amazing. I am a complete convert to this episode. Kudos to you for choosing it. Kudos to the goodies for writing it. Kudos to us all for doing this podcast. Yay, us. <laughs> Hooray. Let's have another drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a, um, a bottle show uh, because it's it's all recorded in one set. In, in, I'm going to say one go. It's not really one go. But, um, yeah, they were running out of money. It was the end of season five, wasn't it? Season five. And they were running out of our season mm. four. No, season five, yeah. Yeah, they were running season out of five. Money, so they, episode yeah. they can't afford special effects. They can't afford to go outside, do outside broadcast. So that forces them into a position where they have no choice but to to focus on the characters rather than the slapstick. And it turns out to be one of the best things they ever did. Well, you know, in this series, anyway, in season five. I was going to, I was thinking of my favourite bits, but you guys have named them all already. But the... Uh, the Queen correcting Bill was one that absolutely, totally tickled me. I just thought that was brilliant. Um, even even though, uh, obviously, it couldn't work because it was a radio. You know, she can't hear you, Bill. I don't understand. Oh, it's too hard. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. I, it's probably a great episode, I think, to introduce someone new to the goodies and say this is the character of the goodies rather than the silliness of the... Um, the antics and the special effects, the stop motion stuff, just to say this is, is who they are because um, we have Tim being his his pompous, cowardly self and B- Bill being his revolutionary and, and Graham being his aloof scientist. So, uh, yeah, I think it works brilliantly. It reminds me of um, Red Dwarf. So we've got um, Bill who is this, this scruffy guy who's kind of a revolutionary, uh, certainly anti-authoritarian, so that's Lister. Um, you've got Graham, who's a cross between Titan and aspects of Rimmer. Uh, you've got 
Uh, oh, no, a bit of bit of Holly in there as well. And you also, then you have Tim, who's also aspects of Rimmer, and perhaps a little bit of Crichton and so on. You know, just it, it, the idea of the three disparate characters locked into one situation where they have no way to interact with anybody else, so they're forced to interact with each other. And, of course, the first episode of Red Dwarf is called The End. Oh. So that proves oh, it. Okay. Yeah. So, just an interesting parallel in, in that it's, you know, it's it's a that's a British comedy uh, based on on characters, is given a a, a a kind of if you like a, a limited situation for a sitcom, but uh, it's the characters that carry it through more than the plots. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Red Dwarf is stolen from the goodies. But it is. No, it's not. But uh, mm. it's just some interesting idea of, of, of the uh, the bottle show where the characters have no choice, as I say, but to, to work with each other. And that's why this episode of, of The Goodies is so good. Uh, it shows the, the three guys at their absolute best. In my opinion. Oh, yeah, they were on fire in this episode. It was spectacular. I just, I just couldn't get over how many jokes they managed to cram into this episode. And and so many good jokes like the um, where they, where Tim becomes Jewish and he's made oh, synagogue. Yes. <laughs> oh, past and what's this a model of? <laughs> Already I obey. It's a synagogue. <laughs> I become Jewish. Want to buy it? Would you like to buy it? <laughs> Again, Tim, the boys finding religion is indicative of the process they are going through as they're cut off from society as they make peace with the world you know how many people who are cut off from the society find some form of religion a lot of prisoners find religion what yeah, are they they're cut absolutely. off from the world they know yeah. they're cut off from society you know the three goodies are coping with being shut off quite well until they realize that they are completely shut off from society then they panic it's like, we can cope with this. We can wait until society comes and frees us. Oh, no, they're not coming. They're not coming ever. Oh, no, now we're in a big pickle. Now we'll panic. Yeah. And then it's sense. a whole different lot of coping mechanisms that they have to draw from. It's really interesting, the psychology of this. Well, I, I think the other thing on along that line is because Graham went even further and withdrew himself from the group. For two weeks. Yeah, remember, he didn't go into a monastery. He went into a... Lavatory. <laughs> but I actually love the choice of religion seemed to match like their characters or the stereotype of their characters. I mean, Graham the scientist, he would, he would go for something that's a little bit more, you know, reflective, so I can understand, monotri- uh, you know, the monastery type thing that suited his character. Uh, we've already just spoken about Tim and the religion he's found, and then we talked about Bill being the revolutionary. So he was kind of like, you know, the revolutionary kind of like black Muslim kind of thing, and they were talking about very much the Cassius Clay type thing. So even like the choices of where they went to fit into their characters so well. Yeah, I like mm. how he went into a Muhammad Ali Cassius Clay rant too about. Um, um, yeah. Stinging like a butterfly. No, no, he he was stinging like a butterfly and floating like a bee. And that was very, um, uh, very relevant at the time too. I mean, around that time was um, Ali had just beaten Foreman, I think, and come back and regained his title. So he was very, um, mm. yeah, very prominent in the media. I don't know the actual years, but it would not have been that long since Ali came back after being suspended from being a boxer for refusing to go to the wall. So you got yeah. that revolutionary part too. Yeah, but it was interesting how it w- it's the one thing that dates the episode when Bill does find religion, he becomes a black Muslim, but he talks like a, min- uh, like a stereotype southern... American, uh, African American, Baptist. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. does and Baptist blackface, like white minstrel. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and, and he does and blackface. It's the one thing that dates the episode and lets it down. But it's a show of its time, so you know you just roll with it and move on to the next gag. Look, I love this episode. You know, I always have. It's one of my favourites, just of the whole 
watching the goodies. And then when we went into lockdown back in March, I thought, perfect, I'm going to watch this episode again. And, you know, it spoke to me at different levels. And then next minute, you know, Tim Brooke Taylor passes yeah. away. And so it just was just like, oh, wow. And then moving forward, that's how I ended up here with you guys because I was searching all these different things about, you know, the goodies and on Facebook and everything. And so it sort of has even more. And the fact that this is everyone's favourite episode, I think, just shows how good this episode is. But I've, I wrote, I had a videotape that I taped off the ABC of all the goodies episodes and I wrote the script out mm. and I couldn't find it but I know that I still have it so I wrote every single word out so I know this off by heart and even reading it you don't even need to visually see it because the jokes are just so they're all laid out they're all there it's so amazing and well written and then to the visual gags particularly during the like halluc the hallucination <laughs> scenes you know where they're walking up. The oh, stairs, I was going to bring that up. The, you know, come and sit, come and sit on the couch. The visual and, gags are just amazing. Graham, Graham reading the book. Reading yeah. the book. And, you know, it's all Graham, here. It's all Graham here. wringing like, his trousers out after he had stood in yes. a yeah. scary bar. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's all just so perfect. Where's and, my notebook you know, gone? Is it the script that's so good? Is it, you know, the acting? Like, they're just, they're just the perfect mix of, of everything. And, um, Though it, this isn't my favourite episode, even though it's such a... My favourite episode is Earth and Asia, which is, you know, has slight or slight parallels. But, um, yeah, this episode is just... And, and um, I can't remember who said, but this... If you were going to show somebody the goodies and trying to explain, mm. this would be the perfect episode because there there isn't anything more. It is just them... It's like watching, you know, any... How, did, how would you explain Monty Python or Faulty Towers or something to somebody? You, you just show them one episode and this explains it all. Can I just say, for those people listening in, it was just amazing to watch the reaction in your eyes when you're describing this. You could mm. really see, even though it's not your favourite episode, you could really see the impact it was having on you. No, do you know what I've just fucking Oh, done? don't tell me it's something else then. <laughs> I, I was being sucked in by the moment. Just put, no, I've just put DP in. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> right, I quit. Oh, oh, I was all on your side then. Oh, no. You're I'm a fake. And then I've gone here and then I've gone. Oh, and I've got some eyes welling up. That is funny. <laughs> That's got to be 10 minutes in the sim bin. That's a yellow oh. card. Oh, look, I am passionate about it, but, yeah, not that much. I mean, it's, it's so I bad. Your <laughs> You're passionate about <laughs> deep heat. I love it. I love it. Yeah. No, look, I do love it, but, yeah, um, uh, you know, waiting for the next one. Do you one. need to go and flush your eye? No, I'm fine. I'm do you need time. medical assistance? <laughs> No. All right, well, well, okay, so, but look, there's so many bits of this episode that are my favourite bits, um, but I think, the, well, there's, okay, there's... Yes. This is my favourite bit. The people at work think that I am crazy, crazy, because I had asked my guy at work to, can you print me out a really plain-looking map of the UK? And he's like, why? And I'm like, just do it, Okay. So, and then I did that in front of him. He's like, what are you doing? So, too hard to explain. So, it's the, it's the bit where um, Graham is waiting. They have to wait for the uh, Brighton to Birkenhead freeway to be done. So, it's the tic-tac-toe mm -hmm. um, reference that he does over the maps, um, with the map of the UK, and just that whole thing. And it, it's so lovely and it's so typical, and you can hear the, the crowd... The, the audience, as they realise what he's doing, they just sort of go, mm. um, And then my other favourite bit is at the, right at the beginning when Tim is, you know, writing the letter <laughs> to the... Well, Graham tr is transcribing the letter oh, to the Queen yes. and he spells his yeah. own name wrong. Love that. He has to spell his <laughs> name wrong. Now, one of my CEO's name is Graham. Now, while he does spell his name with a, a H, G-R-A-H-A-M, 
every single time I see his name or I have to write his name, I'm like, that's G-R-E-A-N-E-E-E. And it's just, it makes me laugh every single time. And I love it. I love it. I love when they dis- when Graham and Tim are discussing how they're going to eat and they draw straws and Bill gets the long straw, so Bill's going to get eaten. And then they realise that they've made the choice that Bill's got to go, but then someone has to actually kill Bill. Oh, yes. They should make a movie about that. And they <laughs> realise that someone's got to actually do the deed. And Tim says to Graham, well, I thought you were going to. And Graham goes, <laughs> Graham I think, goes, I think someone's no. been killed. No, I'm doing the sauce. What was that? Graham, the way he yes, says, no, no, I'm, doing, I'm the doing the sauce, That's is the best line in the whole episode. I love it. It was just yeah. so downplayed, yeah, wasn't it? Good. No. It was. I'm doing the the sauce. way yeah. he said it was just brilliant. Yes, it's used very, very often in our kitchen. What, you're doing the sauce? Yes. No, no, I'm doing the sauce. And then you can think about it very dour, I'm doing the sauce, and it doesn't take too long afterwards where you're introduced to the Bilky Babs idea. <laughs> and it really lifted up the mood again. <laughs> yeah, well, it gets wasted because the husband doesn't know anything about the dinner, uh-huh. so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of this stuff just makes myself giggle. Has anyone picked up the mistake? Ooh. No. 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 Okay, so, you know, when it's, it's in, like, the first sort of scene where they go one year, seven months, four days, three hours, five minutes. Three seconds. Three yeah. seconds. And then it sort of has the text on the screen. Yeah. And it, it goes through all that. It actually says three minutes instead of five minutes, which is what is said. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see that, but I just assumed it would have been that the two minutes that they were talking... Will have elapsed. Oh, okay. I didn't think I have gone in my notes. That's what they said. That's what appeared on the screen. You are bang on. Go, Leanne. I'm going with Todd. That's awesome. Well done. That they've allocated the two minutes for the conversation beforehand. The two minutes to take. By just, we are doomed (laughs) to be bachelors gay. (laughs) (laughs) and and i'm sure and i'm sure fiona and leanne would have been absolutely heartbroken when they saw that scene because graham started making his advances towards (laughs) tim as well no no Yes, he does. He, he does do camp a little bit. <laughs> yes. No, no, no. Because bit, you know, my mood that. and my spirits were lifted immensely because we had David Cassidy on the wall. Oh, oh so you were quite willing to overlook Graham? Oh, he's gone in a flash for David. For Cassidy. David Cassidy. I am David Cassidy all the way. Oh my goodness, man! That man. Yeah, Barjaz had that same poster on his wall. <laughs> Just saying. No, was I had he, David was Essex. He, was he riding a BMX bike in camouflage colours at the time? <laughs> Just as a bit of a background for Mike, um, our, our female members of the podcast have a little thing for Graham and his tight shorts. Yeah, I've, I've spotted that. I, I, can, <laughs> I can get that too. I mean, if, if, if I was a girl, and God willing, one day I will be, um, <laughs> it would, he would be the one because... He he knows he's the one's most confident. He knows what he's about. I like that. Oh, yeah. Look, out of the goodies, it's it's Graham, no holds barred. But if I'm talking Graham and David Essex, oh David Cassidy, it's David Cassidy all the way. Nah, oh, yes, nah, he's American. I'll forgive him for that. <laughs> I will forgive him for that. I really will. David Cassidy did not age well. Well, he but had dementia still... at the end, didn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I don't care. He's still lovely. If you'd like to tell us your preference between David Cassidy and David Essex, <laughs> you could email us at goodiespod at gmail.com or drop us a message on our Facebook page, which is A Walk in the Black Forest, The Goodies Podcast. And you could win 
A night out with Paul. And second prize is? No night out with Paul. It's two two nights, nights out, out with me. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> How's your eye going there, uh, Leanne? <laughs> oh, dear. I don't know about you, but I, I really want to see um, Leanne's props. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. All right, well, you've, you've seen, seen, one. seen one, one of the, the props. I'll get, I'll get the other. Right into I'll the Birkenhead Freeway. Love it. Oh, it's very clever. Oh, oh yes. Oh, hey. <laughs> Born free. And I liked how the sound effect, how they tried to get in sync with the burps as well. You can see them actually waiting for it. Yeah. Burps. We should probably explain to the uh, to the viewers that Leanne's prop is a paper hat. Um, a pa- sorry, a hat made out of a newspaper. <laughs> As in the episode, that's where the guys do that. Yeah, I had to go and buy a newspaper. <laughs> 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 could have downloaded one for free. Yeah. Is, 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 is the next uh, prop going to be a bottle of turps? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've already had that. Oh, no, had no, that. leave the flower pot alone, Leanne. <laughs> 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 leave it alone. <laughs> I thought this was one episode where Bill well and truly got into character. When you think of someone like his revolutionary kind of rants, you could just tell that he just really loved about, you know, embodying that whole script kind of thing. You know, just where he's got lines where he's, you know, retorts, you know, we've got enough time to waste you for I get. And you, you just forget that he's acting. It just seems so natural. It seems so genuine. And then when Yeah, a lot of this lot episode of seemed really genuine, didn't it? It was, um, it seemed like they almost ad-libbed a lot of it. Yeah. Well, and then that... when you have a look at, um, like, the irony and the sarcasm, you know, Tim does his, you know, whole speech, how, you know, children, I must have children, I've got to exercise my right to fatherhood, comes up with the most classic line, I think, you oh. can exercise it as much as you like, but you won't find much <laughs> use for it here. Good. And just the tone and how he says it, I'm thinking, it was And he cracked so up halfway natural. through saying it too. <laughs> Yeah, because you could hear the irony, the sarcasm. Yeah. It just seemed so real. And it was one yeah. of the more priceless lines. I can remember as a kid just thinking, I don't think I've ever seen the goodies, uh, you know, have a reference like that. And they, the ABC did not cut it out. And they cut out a lot more, you know, tamer things than that. But yeah, they have been known that... to be pretty heavy on the censorship in the past, but... Mm. Um, yeah, look, Bill. But Bill was spectacular in this episode. I mean, that very first scene where he's sitting by the window, like he, he, he's in real life, he's a bird watcher, and he, yeah. he's a known conservationist. And he's sitting there listening to the birds, and then pulls the gun out and shoots. <laughs> it's just so anti his his real life character. Um, yeah, I think all, all the goodies were kind of the total opposite to their character. Um, a few of the a few of the interviews I've seen on that BBC uh, DVD set, where they they go into specifics about um, how Tim, uh, someone asked him if um, he was anything like his character, and he said, "Well, I hope I'm not like his my character. <laughs> my, my character's obnoxious and you know, horrible." So yeah, he, he was very much aware that um, you know, he he was playing a. Uh, Totally different character than his, his real life persona, even though they're um, they use their real names. I wonder how Graham is in real life. Does anyone know? Just for the women here. Well, I think Leanne should answer this, seeing as she's met him. Yes, <laughs> yes. Given the cheese had the brush with him. Uh, he was um, he was very humble, actually. I mean, he he was also very jet lagged <laughs> at the time, but. Um, he was he was quite amazed that I had, you know, scrambled my way backstage, if you will, to be able to see him and get all my stuff signed and, you know, he met my son and, yeah, he was very, very humbled that he'd come halfway around the world, well, the other side of the world, and to have all these adoring fans, you know, I think. Even when we saw him... Well, saw all of them when they came and did all the tours. Just, you know, standing ovations that went for 
you know, like three, five minutes. I, I, you know, I doubt whether they would have ever had that in the UK anywhere. Like, it was amazing to see. I mean, he was also an old man when I met him, you know. <laughs> it's not like he was... He was young like he was in the goodies because it's a long time ago. Yeah, look, I imagine when they were doing the show, I mean, they probably didn't realise um, how big the show would get and um, probably didn't realise they'd have fans worldwide and, and be still dining out on that fame, you know, 50 years later. It's, well, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, that crazy. Might, you're probably better placed than the rest of us to comment on this. How big were the goodies in the UK itself? Yeah, well, uh, they were pretty big back in the seventies, definitely. Uh, but obviously, I, you know, I, I only live adjacent to the UK, not actually in the UK, which is, yeah, which is they tried back in the uh, yeah. the old days. But um, yeah, we uh, over here in Ireland, we got the British broadcasts, uh, we got the BBC, we got ITV, so we did get all series of the goodies. I think would have been shown here, but. When, when I was a kid, we were growing up here. We we loved the goodies. We thought it was brilliant. We didn't care for Monty Python because it was it was too old for us. I think it was on too late. Um, mm. So the goodies was, you know, our our sort of thing. I, I was born in '66, so growing up in the early '70s, you know, I was very much aware of them. Absolutely loved them, but they were never repeated, um, or very very rarely repeated. So we. Once uh, the final season was ITV, wasn't it? Once that was gone, they they were pretty much forgotten. And there are people now my age who go, "Oh my God, I remember the goodies," or they only know Tim, Graham, and Bill from their other uh, exploits. Particularly Bill, of course, for his um, nature stuff. A lot of as 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 um, I said there earlier, bird watching and so forth. And Graham would show up in the early nineties, maybe I think on. Uh, on fact shows where they might mention medical things and Graham would pop up in as an expert or something so they weren't really uh, for for people younger than me they, they wouldn't really have existed in the, in the same way some people out there would re- would not know they were listening to Graham because he was the voice of Banana Man yeah oh, that's true yes yeah who was so Banana Man I'm not familiar he was oh. a cartoon what yeah. And you I don't did, know who Banana Man like is. Like a little, yeah, oh. fifteen minute yeah. cartoon it's from a comic. Banana Man from Nutty. Yeah. Yeah. He, was, he was like Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of it. Well, there you go. There's your oh. project to go and Google Banana Man, and that was Graham Garden's voice. Who else? Oh, the the other related one, and his name always comes up. Is Kenny Everett? Um, yeah. Was Captain Kremen? I I remember being at high school. And Graham turned up in like it was like a sex education HIV AIDS sort of documentary. And I, I remember that you know the teachers were all very serious and they were like, Okay, watch this and the whole class just cracked up and started referencing goodies <laughs> and everything because um, because Graham was there and they're like, What's going on? What's going on? And it's like it's Graham from the goodies and like yeah, I've only just remembered that, like just now. So I don't know what that was, but you know he was a doctor and obviously faced faced the people, so they used him and obviously. So what you're saying, Leanne, is you, you know, learnt the, about the birds and bees from Graham Garden? Uh, no, so, no well, I know this yes, video yeah. she's referring to. Of course, the TAFE okay. teacher would. There you go. So it it is true. <laughs> I'm not just making it up. Like like I said, I've just remembered. We're talking it now. about in the early so. days when AIDS was starting to be known. It was kind of like an educational video about like what is AIDS, how you can catch it, and he was doing some uh, you know basic demonstrations. But I remember watching it too because I had to pinch myself. This is Graham playing this role very straight. It's a very important community message. In the back of my mind, I get to thinking. That's Graham from the goodies. So I remember that impact as well because it was yeah, played yeah. on the ABC. I was going to what? ask, did he play it very straight yeah, okay. or was it yeah. um, was it comical? But uh, I don't yeah, remember him it. doing any subtle jokes. He played it straight down the line. He, there was lots of hand gestures and stuff and I was just looking for sort of like the nose bowl, sort of like <laughs> cracking up, watching him do it because we couldn't, you know, take him seriously. I've got visions of um, Graham with the... You know, how you can catch it, you know, so have they got shots of people shooting up and have they got shots of gay sex? And yeah. it's like, hmm. Uh, diagrams <laughs> and other yeah. representations. 
That could Again, have been body that matters. That begs which the question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll have to YouTube it. It's been years since I've seen it, but yeah, I can vouch for the same thing. I remember the guy. It's Graham Garden. Wow. Uh, that sounds like something we should do for our cast party. Mm. We should get a hold of that video and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that should move the party onto a real high, I can sense it. Oh, well, there, there you go. There's something I didn't know about Graham that he was, um, he and Bill actually co wrote a lot of the episodes of Doctor in the House, particularly oh, yeah, the first true. series and really? all of the that's second series me. episodes. So there you go. Jim, you've got some <laughs> thoughts about the episode. Not that many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. It's a good episode. It does, it does um, remind me of that idea, that existentialist idea that hell is other people. And that's the idea of being trapped in, like there's a, a play by Jean-Paul Sartre where it's called No Exit. Everyone's trapped together for eternity. And that's when they learn the lesson that that's what true hell is, being stuck with just the same people forever. And this episode kind of encapsulates that idea of no escape. You're stuck with the same three people for eternity, which, as somebody has pointed out, is, is very relevant now that we're in, you know, in COVID or just post-COVID, being stuck together with the same people. You're talking That's about the episode. end or this episode of the podcast where we're trapped. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of blurred the lines between them. They're in one set and they've got to bounce off each other for that extended period of time as opposed mm. to some of their other episodes. From an actor's perspective, how hard is it to be able to pull that off successfully? Mm. Yeah, well, it's like what uh, Mike said, it's, it's a bottle episode. It's one of those episodes where the money's run out and so it's just going to be three actors in one room. So it may as well be on stage. It may as well be a live show. Um, it, you could do this as a play, virtually. This could be a play. Mm. Um, it's, it has its Ooh, own Oh, I'd love challenges. to do that. It's, it's great fun. And it does, as someone, someone else said, that it was a show that did show the goodies up as a great kind of introduction to someone getting into the goodies. But it does show each character quite clearly. And the actors themselves are having a great deal of fun bouncing off each other. I think the scene where Tim and Bill are drunk waiting for the wall to be reopened or the door to be reopened, and Tim is getting right into Graham's face and getting into Bill's face. And they also swear that they'll never see each other again once they get out of there. Um, I thought they were probably just on the border of cracking up themselves because they were really enjoying themselves. Yeah, there were a few crack-ups in that episode, yeah. yeah a few so times where Bill lost it and um, you could see Tim was very, very close to losing it there. <laughs> That's when he's calling him Fuzzy Chops and stuff. and just Oh, great bags <laughs> of Fuzzy Chops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how Graham didn't laugh, but it, yeah, I thought that was a great, a great scene. And yeah, it, it just feel very natural and and like it was live, like a live theatre show. Did they do that live at all in front of an audience or was that just bottled canned, canned laughter? I think they were all filmed live, weren't they? I mean, they, the in-studio segments were filmed live, I think. That's a good point. I'm not really sure. It, no, it definitely, be because otherwise it definitely there seemed like there was an audience reaction to what they were doing. Um, whether it was just very targeted canned laughter, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I always wondered, did they actually ever have a studio audience? If they did have a studio audience, and I'm thinking they did because it did seem very spontaneous, the reactions. And not just that, sometimes they would laugh in anticipation. Like, before a character said something, they knew from the setup what was coming and you could almost see the laughter come in anticipation of the um, the punchline. It, it did feel like there was a real audience there. Mm. I, I, I did think it was actually canned. But when you, as you point out, Jim, you, the audience would start laughing in anticipation of the um, punchline of jokes. So clearly, maybe not. Plus knowing how a certain character would react. Mm. So knowing what they were going to say, knowing what how they would react to it would prompt people to laugh. Mm. 
Because some of those archetypes, the, um, the, the, the scientist who's aloof, the, um, the pompous but cowardly Tim, is very much like that um, Commedia idea, of these stock characters that have been around for centuries mm-hmm. and haven't changed much. There's, this, the, there's the know-it-all and there's the blowhard and there is the uh, lower class but cleverer um, working class person like in Bill. And that still works today and still worked then. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of their jokes weren't original jokes. Um, really, when you think about people being stuck alone, people of the same sex being stuck alone for what they think is eternity a lot of the jokes would be standard jokes for that situation. And again, as they go through the processes of dealing with being in that situation. Yeah, the scenarios weren't original so much. Um, the individual lines and jokes were original, but they're, they're mm. all permutations on a theme. So mm. the ideas, the situations and the stock characters are all um, time-honoured traditions, but the jokes themselves were still fresh and funny. Yeah. And still funny now. Like, I watched it today. Very much so, yeah. The only bit that doesn't hold up is the blackface. It, the rest yeah. of it is as good as the day it was made. Yeah. There, there were a lot of um, comic apps doing blackface back then, though. That's just a sign oh, of the times. It was just a sign of the times, but it is the one piece that doesn't hold up. The rest of it does. Um, favourite oh. scenes or favourite favorite funny bits from the episode? Personally, I thought I like I spy with my little eye. Standing there looking at the lone chair, the only thing left in the building. Yes. Spectacular. Um, I love the choosing who to eat and when and how. Yeah. Uh, uh, that that was great. I just loved that bit. The ending where um, the new. Um, Bill, Tim and Graham came in. The fact that they were trapped just the way the other guys are trapped is just that typical comedy trope of you end up back where you started from. Mm. It's like a never-ending cycle. Now they're trapped. And so it's just that idea of nobody learned anything and you're back to where you started from. And the Tim character had land of hope and glory when he pushed a button on his (laughs) computerised belly button. That was just brilliant. I and also love Graham was Spock. <laughs> oh, yes, the years. I love how Tim, the future Tim, looks like Riff Raff from um, Rocky Horror. Oh. <laughs> Rocky Horror, yeah. Oh, he, he, he had, had quite a bit of hair, hair didn't he? <laughs> he managed to put his hair up in a yeah. almost a bun on top yeah. of his head. <laughs> I don't, is that the technical uh, term, Leanne? A bun? <laughs> I don't know what that thing is. A, a pony. <laughs> oh, of course, a yeah. A ponytail. Top knot. You know, there's two things I liked about that, if it stand out, and I think this is an episode where you really actually got to see, we heard it referred to as a play, just their stagecraft. Uh, I remember watching it last night and something that really got my eye where uh, I noticed that how Graham was moving and how he was gesticulating, he was carrying on like he was a left-hander. And I thought, this is, is weird, because Graham is a right-hander. Have a look at where his watch is. And I kept on thinking, it just, it was distracting. And then I realised what he was doing, because he was motioning with his left hand, he was pointing and stuff like that. And that was to distract the audience away that in his right hand were the pieces of string. And I thought it did a really good job of distracting us from the fact is he's hiding this pieces of string in his right hand where they draw the um, short straws, pardon me. Yeah, and if you look I'm really right. closely, you can yeah. see the straws in You're one scene. Absolutely right. It's going right I'm, I'm watching it now, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. And he's gesticulating with his left hand as a distraction. And then I started to look at it, I'm thinking, that really made me think, like, how consciously aware were they of creating these little distractions. So I looked at my DVD thing and then I had a look at the bun fight of the OK Corral and then I've noticed I could actually see the video there. He's gesticulating with his left hand, but he's a right-hander. 
You know, like yeah, well picked up. Too. I, I actually didn't, okay. I didn't see that bit, but um, yeah, and well then done. watch the whole thing is to distract <laughs> us from he's holding the straw. Oh, so he is. Yeah. There yeah. we go. And there's the same remember. thing he did with the uh, the bush baby. Yeah. And because mm. I just noticed that it just didn't quite seem natural, like him being a left-hander. But I noticed in other yeah. episodes when he wants to distract us, he will pretend he's a left-hander. Then other times, depending on where the camera is, he'll be a right-hander. And I just looked at that. It's like, wow, he's really got some stagecraft here. They've really thought yeah. out these scenes. Quite yeah, it's well, well picked up. If, if you have a theory on what Graham was doing with his right hand, you could email us at the goodies. He was holding straws. <laughs> and you could win a night out with Paul. <laughs> but um, in terms of, like, the scene that does it for me is the revelation scene. And that's the revelation that they're going to be stuck there for a long time because yeah. it starts off with they have to organise their society and then they start to go through those things in life that they realise they're going to miss out on and all those ep- expectations and things like, you know, uh, you know the whole Tim and the fatherhood type thing, how Bill reacts, how he's got to smash land of hope and glory. And that revelation scene goes on for about three or four minutes, but I think it's just golden. You can actually see it's transitioning. They're accepting their lot. They know they're going to be there for an extremely long time. Before that, that had hope. Then there's a revelation, they're accepting there's got to be a new reality. And I just thought that was just uh, gold, golden writing. It was just brilliant. Yeah, I don't know what it, it is, is about this episode. It's just the one I've always loved. And um, yeah, I've watched Graham's it about to say that times. I'm doing the source. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For our listener, if, you're, if you don't know what's going on, um, Mike's got the camera pointed towards the goodies playing in the background, so we're sitting here watching it. Um, yeah, we might wrap it up. Um, thanks again for joining us on this, our final episode for Season 1 of A Walk in the Black Forest, the Goodies Podcast. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for participating and being a part of this. We've had a great time in this first season and obviously we're going to try and do a second season at some stage, but we might maybe look at doing something else in the uh, interim. Fiona, have you had fun tonight? I can't tell you how much fun I've had. I'm with people I love spending time with. I'm in a place I like being. It, and we've been watching a great episode of The Goodies. What more could anybody possibly want? Thank you all for being part of this podcast. It's been great. Yes, it has been great. And Mike, thanks again for joining us once again from across the, the ditch, across the lake. Um, Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, yeah, we've we've had a great time. Um, Mike's joined us for our first episode and now he's back for our our last for the first season. So hopefully we'll we'll get him along again in another episode in the future. Love to. Thank you very much. He may not know where you live now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, how are you going out there? Have you enjoyed our little journey on uh, the Goodies podcast? Oh, look, 100%. Uh, I've enjoyed how people have chosen their own episodes. They've broken it down. The different perspectives adds to another layer of enjoyment. Sometimes there have been things like, did you notice this? And I thought, no, I'd never seen it before. Then I'll go back to my DVD and have a look at it. I said, my God, it's been right in front of me. So it just goes to show that there's so many levels. There's so much depth to these episode episodes. And it's kind of like rekindled. Uh, my love of this as well doing this with a great bunch of people and knowing that we're making our audience member incredibly happy it's been a grand experience yes we do this for our (laughs) listener and for no one else (laughs) Jim how's it going there in uh, sunny Canberra Um, we had a good time tonight it's about minus one degrees tonight yeah Yeah, it's a a wee bit chilly but we've had fun, we've laughed, we've cried, we've all learned a little bit, done a little wee, had something to drink. <laughs> had a few we creative argued, differences. We ranted, raved, <laughs> we had creative differences. But we've all come closer together you as know a what? result. Most of us did not argue, and that's good. 
it has been it has been <laughs> fun. <laughs> and, look, initially we we all chose uh, two episodes each, and um, so many people joined the podcast. So I mean, it become evident that we probably need to do a second season because everybody wanted to do their own episode. So hopefully we'll get to that in the future. Um, Barjas, uh, how have you adapted to this new new reality that is podcasting? Oh, look, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you know, a great bunch of people, um, you know, international representation. Um, you know, it's just been an absolute ball to be part of. Um, and, yeah, it has, as Paul uh, touched on, it's rekindled my, the, uh, my love for the goodies um, as well as being able to reconnect with all you guys. And made a few new friends. Absolutely. It's been great like that. And um, once again, like, Leanne, great that you, you're on board and um, come and joined us. We eventually will we'll meet you in person one day. Um, hopefully our cast party. Yeah. After lockdown. Yes. Well, it was and, um, lockdown that brought me here. And And um, the fact that none of my friends or nobody... Mm. even knows what the goodies in and it's like I've, the goodies are I've found my people you know what I hope this people. is as much of an emotional experience next time as tonight was for you <laughs> well I'll just you know I'll just bring this back and can just rub it a bit, bit everywhere and, and we'll, promises and that you'll bring your deep away. to our cast party <laughs> <laughs> And, Mike, yeah. I'd just like to thank you on behalf of all of us for yeah. the permission to use your oh. artwork once again. Oh, no, um, you're very, very welcome. Yeah, it's, uh, it it's, is it's fine. just perfect for <laughs> our podcast. It is a wonderful piece of artwork, and thank you very much. Oh, you're very, you're very welcome. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad that me producing something as a little throwaway gag has has led me to, to being invited to uh, participate in this because I would never, I possibly never would have met any of you guys anyway. So <laughs> I do have one thing before we go. Has anybody seen the um, the good? Oh, hang on, uh, the Goodies Book of Criminal Records? Um, no. No, I don't know that one. Uh, well, hang yeah. on, I'm going to turn off my virtual background oh, really? to make it easier. I've shown you all of those. I've well, got all of those. book. Oh, oh wow. yeah, because I was I've going to say, I have two copies. Hang on. Wait. Of an old one that's really bad look and a really that. good one that I'm keeping. Yes. <laughs> if if yeah, anybody exactly wants the, the bad one, I've got an old it's, one I think all I the pages are intact. It's just a bit stained. If anybody wants <laughs> a bad one, let me know when it's theirs. Just give me an address. Oh, what probably a, what a already, generous yeah. offer, Mike. That's spectacular. Oh, Paul. Mm. Oh, oh, Mike, what a man. To Todd and Todd oh. can share it around with us. Yeah, send yeah. it to Todd. I, th- I think Podcast Central, I think it's a collective. <laughs> We're sniveling little commies. Yeah. If you <laughs> want this, Todd, it's yours. So oh, I, I would Todd love it. it I would absolutely love it. Yeah. What Todd I'll do, has gone I'll send you a... Beyond um, for all of us sure, in no, editing no, all the episodes and organising us all. It's really and a labour of love, Fiona. Thank you, Todd, for thinking of it and thinking of including all of us as your little cohort. Yeah. It's been so much fun. Well, truth and be told, I, I couldn't find anyone better. <laughs> I know this deep down, but I don't need you to say it out loud. Nah, in all seriousness, it has been a blast. And like, like Jeff said, it's been... Uh, Who's Jeff? I'm oh, sorry, Barjas. As he said, it's been, it's, it's been um, really good to reconnect with some of you guys that we haven't seen for a long time and, and to meet some new friends. So, yeah, let's um, keep this little group together. We may do something. We, we had discussed doing some sort of um, pop culture related thing later. Um, yeah, so Mike, you're see. up for Red Dwarf because I'm doing Black Adder. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh. I can do red oh. black adder. Mike, I've got to ask you because we've been talking about popular culture, and I put up my hand to do Dave Allen. Is he one of your favourites? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, he's yeah. not. <laughs> I, um, with, with all the enthusiasm of a prostate exam. He was. I must have missed oh, who, who were we talking about here. I missed that. Dave Allen. The uh, comedian Dave, Dave, Dave Allen. Yes. Oh, yeah, one of the greatest uh, ever comedians ever. He invented stand-up. Yeah, I love that guy. Grew up on his stuff. 
All right, can we tag team to do a Dave Allen episode down the track? Yeah. All right, <laughs> you're in. You're in. Now, look, with the whole pop culture theme, I mean, there's so many different areas you could do. I mean, it's just it's just so many different things you could talk about. So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think Leanne originally suggested that early on when we first met up. So, yeah, let's, um, yeah. let's try and keep the band together. Oh, oh, faulty towers. Oh, faulty towers. Yes. yes. Oh. I think everyone's going to fight for that. Oh, yeah. faulty towers. I, I bagged some, are you being served in Mrs. Slocum's pussy? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about the young ones? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. A few people have put up their hand for that yeah. too. Oh. <laughs> Spectacular. Uh, if we're doing faulty towers, yeah, I've that got was, a couple of jeans. Yeah, that was my other one. Uh, oh. Yeah, they're great episodes. Yeah, just don't mention the war.